Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, Todd Helms here with the Wingman Podcast or the Wing Beats Podcast. We haven't made up our mind 100% on a name, um, but we'll uh, let you know when that happens. But today... I'm super stoked to bring you a podcast with Barton Ramsey of Southern Oak Kennels and Cornerstone Gundog Academy. Barton, how's it going, man? It's going great, Todd. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to hop on and chat with you for a little bit, man, and uh, actually excited to have something to do in the middle of the day that requires me being in the air conditioner, honestly, so <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> I bet, I bet, what's, I bet it's hotter than sin down there, what are your, uh, it's, it's rough, it's screaming it's here in Wyoming, but at least it cools off at night. That's the biggest difference, you know, I've talked to a couple of our clients up in the northeast, and, and one called me the other day, and he was asking how to you know, how to deal with flies that are, uh, you know, flies will get kind of picky on a dog's ears right. if they're all around your kennels. And you got to really be careful because if they if they get going, you know, you, you really got to get the dog inside. And we haven't dealt with that in a while. But I said, man, how hot is it up there? And he's in Delaware. And he said it was in the 90s, mid 90s for like 10 days in a row. But then I asked, what's it get down to in the night? And it gets down, you know, low 60s. And I was like, man, that would be nice. We're we're pushing 100 degrees almost every day, somewhere between 93 and 100. Uh, but the the hardest part for us is that it never drops below. I mean, I I took my daughter on a, a date night last night, and uh, it, she's nine years old. We left the restaurant about ten o'clock p.m. pretty late, and it was still in the mid eighties. Um, we we don't drop down much below eighty. Seventy seven maybe seventy seventy seven seventy eight degrees is the low. So there's never really a break. Uh, we, I trained with stone yesterday morning, we were out working and, uh, man, I, I want to say it was, it was kind of foggy and we made it till about nine 30 in the morning. We just had to quit. It was too hot for the dogs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, I was just going to say that probably really pushes your training early, early mornings and, and short time windows, you know, and you got a lot of dogs to run through too. Yeah, it's a lot. And I don't, I intentionally do not have very many client dogs this time of year. I have a handful of youngsters and two client dogs that are in sort of transition work, do, working on handling, um, which is mostly just drills, and I can get those done in the morning. Uh, but yeah, now my other guys that are that are working with Southern Oak, they're you know still loaded and trying to get dogs prepared for the season this fall, and you just got to get get it done. You know, you got to get the dog get the dog wet early, uh, start working them. You know, you know, I would say by 6.15, you need to be set up and running dogs, and you've got about three hours, three and a half hours before you got to call it quits and then get your drill work in in the evening if you can, just as quick as possible, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, you talk about getting them wet early, and that just aids with evaporation throughout the, throughout the training, I'm assuming helps keep yeah. them a little cooler. Yeah, get, getting them wet early, and, and a lot of people think that the best thing to do this time of year is water work, but... It's honestly not. I mean, we're, uh, I mean, it, it is hot. My swimming pool in our, in our backyard feels like a hot tub. I bet. Uh, our ponds are hot. Even the lakes, we're, we're like a boating family. We love to be out on the water, but even right now, it's just, it's just hot getting, hopping off the boat, thinking you're going <laughs> to cool off and getting into a, a huge lake and realizing it's bathtub temperature. So you're not doing the dogs any favors by giving them long swims. We just like to, give them a quick water retrieve, get, 
get their fur nice and wet so the rest of the training session they're at least evaporating some of that water right um, that that tends to work pretty well on keeping them just a little bit cooler yeah cool no i think that's that's a point that yeah, i think you're right a lot of guys don't they don't think about they think as long as they're running their dog in the water it's okay but you know where i we are out here i'm just starting to be able to get i've got a pretty good drive to be able to get to any any like ponds or standing water but i've got the river that we hunt a lot is right 10 minutes from the house and unfortunately cool. it's just now starting to get to the point where i can put a dog in it because it's that cool well no it's that big oh the flows, I see. the flows are big are so big with runoff from the mountains in this through really into the middle of july that it's not safe to put a dog in it you know if uh. you've got a if you've got an eddy or something like that where the dog isn't going to have to get swept downstream that's fine but you know and they can handle it's amazing they can handle quite a bit of current especially in the shallower stuff they where they can touch they launch through that pretty easy but um it's just not safe you know and so right now i'm you're starting to get the dog back in but for me it's evenings it's just when i have the most time and then in the mornings we cool off at night i mean i was in the mountains uh, all weekend doing family stuff and it was in the it was in the 40s every you know at night but you're talking you're talking nine thousand feet of elevation too. So yeah. man, I would, I would drive a long way just to experience the 40s <laughs> right now. I'll tell you what, yeah, I'll tell you how hot it is. My daughter, our, our upstairs air conditioning unit went out two days ago and we didn't know it. And Noah, my son, he's like, Dad, it's hot upstairs. It's hot. And I was like, Yeah, it's upstairs, it's hot outside. Sure enough, I go up there and it's like 86 degrees oh in gosh. the house. Well, my daughter, realizing that it was hot, had had turned the AC unit down to 50. That's as low as it would go. Oh, so I kind of thought that she had just froze the unit up. Right. I was like, boy, 50 would be really great. Um, but yeah, we, we had had to have a guy come fix all that yesterday because it was just so hot that it broke our air conditioner. Yeah. It's uh, un- essentially unbearable. overworked it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, man. Yeah, it's... Like I said, it's 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 screaming hot here too, but it's just during the day, you know, mornings. Even we're out here at about, I think Powell sits, we sit just shy of 5,000. I think we're about 4,500, 4,000 to 4,500 feet of elevation. And it's desert. It's high desert. So there's not a lot to hold mm-hmm. the heat in um, at night. So it'll be 90-some degrees during the day. And then in the middle of the evening, I'm shutting the air conditioners down and opening the windows because it's in the – 60s and low 70s at night which is nice but yeah that's killer I yeah, love it. still get up run the dog first thing in the morning and and my dog's a my dog's a vet you know he's eight years old now so i'm more worried about his conditioning going in weight management and keeping him in good shape going into the season because it's like if i run if i run drills with him once a day or a couple times a week he's like yeah i'm good i got this dad <laughs> yep. you, know what I, yep. you know what i mean yeah no but, absolutely uh, yeah that weight management's it's a real uh and it's a real issue. I've seen a handful of dogs uh, with buddies who, you know, they plan on hunting them this fall. And I'm like, man, your dog is huge. You know, you're going to need to pull that off quickly. Uh, and, and you can't do it by just running them, you know. Right. Um, and then we've, you know, we feed Yukonuba and um, we've been working through, you know, this summer. There's some things that are different about the formula we're feeding and working on some some new stuff with those guys and uh it was crazy because we've had a lot of dogs that traditionally have been very difficult to keep weight on mm. uh this summer we've been like hey we got to back it way down i mean we have some right. dogs that that aren't being worked you know 
right now. My, my boys are being worked, you know, once or twice a week just to keep them in shape. Right. And uh, now they're running. Our dogs are out five times a day, just full on running, you know, free running with all the others. You bet. Um, so they're exercising, but man, they blew up on me. I look, came down. I was like, there's eight extra pounds on this dog within a few <laughs> weeks. That's got to be pulled off now, you know? So I'm talking to the guys that are running the kennel and I'm like, we got to, we got to back this down a good bit because, uh, and it's, it's crazy, you know, just seeing how fast they fluctuate and you definitely don't want them overweight when it's hot like this. Oh man. Oh yeah. No kidding. It's hard on every, every part of them, but yeah, those, the mountains come into play big time for conditioning. Cause it's, you know, just being up there and like you said, free running and being out and about and in and out of the water. I mean, Mackinac stays pretty trim and he's never been yeah. a dog. That, he's never been a dog that puts on crazy weight back when he was younger. Um, I tried to get some extra weight on him going into, you know, cause our seasons are, we're hunting in, in extremely cold temperatures and in that water. And I don't know, it seemed like if I could, if I could get him a little heavier hunting in all that cold water, he handled the cold better, but I could be wrong there. But, um, man, he was so hard to keep weight on when he was younger. As it's getting older, he's, he packs it on a little easier, but, um, yeah. that metabolism has slowed down and, but man, yeah. when he was when he was young, I mean, he got hypothermic on me once. He got hypoglycemic on me again another time, and it was like, dude, what is Scary going stuff. on? What is going Scary on stuff. here? Your dog's out there bonking in the field, you know. And it's like, all right, I got to figure some different things out here. But yeah, it's growing up in Michigan, we didn't hunt that. We didn't hunt temperatures like that, you know. We did, but it was all dry land stuff, right? right. And out That's here, we're hunting. We're hunting. Try to hunt fields when it's really cold, but hunting that river you know and every time they get out of the water you got a towel and you're toweling them off and putting the vest back on them and do you use like a sham dry type towel yeah i've used a bunch of different stuff i usually have something like a chamois that because it's so cold i mean if you use a regular cotton towel it just freezes yeah that's what you know but yeah. yeah i mean something like a chamois that you can you can snap you know and get the water out of it and then if it does freeze you snap it a couple of times and it it breaks it up and it'll still soak up water yeah but, and they're so tough i mean it's unbelievable you put a a good vest on them that helps them hold in some some body heat it's unreal i mean but you do have to watch them because they don't you know they don't quit you know no, there's, no, there's no quit in them and they'll go till they're till the till they drop and yeah you know it's one of those things where it's like i'm monitoring and i'm watching going okay that's normal shaking he's excited and he's engaged in what we're doing and it's when they get lethargic and weird on you and their behavior starts to change like all right we got a problem here time to yeah, get them at that point you're uh you're a little bit a little bit past uh yep. stopping point so yep. it's definitely a deal where you've got to you've got to be the one that's watching i've got oh, a few it's... dogs that will really tell you like hey i'm cold and uh i had a dog that uh got got really cold and was way kind of behind us and you know sometimes it's a situation where you really expect a dog to get cold and you're right. watching and sometimes it's a situation where you don't yeah, you know, I've, I've heard of a lot of dogs uh, having hypothermia when it was 45 degrees outside and the water temps were just cold, but there was a good breeze. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I had a dog that was started whining, and I was like, hmm. this dog has never made a noise in the blind ever. Like, there, there's no chance he's making this noise. And I was like, who, what? Who is making that noise? I turn around, he's whining. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I look at him, I was like, oh, buddy, you're cold. You know, we're yeah. to get you to the truck. And, yep. uh, yeah, it's, uh, you, you definitely, it's, you, you've got to be the, the mature one is no different with my kids, you know, they'll yep, go and exactly. go until they quit. And I'm like, Hey, no, actually it's bedtime. Cause it's not going to be good for you if you stay up any longer. Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. 
It's no, you're exactly right. It's the same with the heat. The, the, the signs here and watching dogs and, and, and then also just seeing people working dogs and videos of dogs. And I'm like, that dog is really close to, to, uh, to heat stroke right there. And I know some guys who had, I know guy had a nice stud dog that they had imported from the UK and were breeding. And uh, he had a heat stroke. This has been probably eight years ago. He had a heat stroke just doing normal work uh, in the morning during the summertime. And number one, was never able to produce puppies anymore. Oh. Um, and number two, just was never the same mentally. Yeah. Uh, never sharp. And, and it's, uh, it's completely avoidable, you know, completely avoidable. And uh, not to knock the guys that have done that. I've been there. I was there with the Springer Spaniel once, literally just playing Frisbee off the porch. Sure. And uh, next thing I know, I look over and she's walking back sideways, you know, and I was like, what is she doing? And it just fell over. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's up to you to be the mature, responsible one and uh, stop them before it's too late. Yeah, no, you're, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, and that's, like I said, we, you would see that here if, if, if I ran, if you ran your dogs, you know, middle of the day type thing, but yeah, um, with the heat, but yeah, it's, it's the cold. That's when, that's when we're getting after it the most. And, you know, there's times when we had a hunt last year where we hunted with uh, Jim Sobier from, from Sitka. He came down from Bozeman and hunted with us. And the first day we were in a dry land field and it was cold, you know, it was 15, 10, 15 below um, with wind chill. And we didn't use, we didn't have the dogs. There was no great place to hide them. We were in really skinny hide and was like, just leave them. It's, and we got a lot going on and, we, if we need to go grab one to grip to get a cripple or something, we can. And we ended up, yeah, we ended up mopping up a few bird, couple, I think three birds at the end of the day that it sailed. The dogs were able to collect for us, no problem. Sure. But yeah, yeah. It was just not a great. It was not a great scenario to have a dog in. And then the second day we hunted the river, and it was literally like a Seven Eleven slurpy. Slurpy. Oh mean, just, yeah. The river was just right. slush. Yeah. It was just slush. Ugh. And I looked at uh, the other guy and I said. We can take the dogs, but I said, they're going to be, it's way harder for them to swim in this than it is for us to wade in it. So I was like, you know, if they get one that they can jump off the bank, grab, and then jump back out, I'm like, those close birds, we can do that. But I said, otherwise, man, it's going to be on us. We're going to have to really watch these dogs. And I think yeah. that day our dogs only retrieved half. We shot, I think we shot a four or five man limit, but I think our dogs only retrieved a handful of birds just simply because of that slush so yeah. hard for them they can't swim through it yeah that's you know and doesn't doesn't jim have a does he have a draw tar or a? you know um, i'm not sure what jim's got i'm not sure he even has a dog to be honest barton um he didn't bring a dog with him oh gotcha he um, does have a dog it's not a labrador um, but I, it may be a draw tar yeah yeah he has he has uh it's either that or like a, a wire hair pointer or something uh, uh something like that anyway not right. the type of dog that you'd want in the slush like that because it just turned into a mop you know oh just... my gosh yep the old swamp collie you know yeah like throw them in the boat <laughs> and pretty soon you got a gallon and a half of water in the bottom of your boat you know yeah 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 i got well, a buddy that, cool. i got a buddy that runs a field golden and that's man you can't even hunt you can't hunt him in a boat you know what i mean yeah we call them swamp we call that's what we call goldens the swamp collies but man you know there's some really nice lines of field goldens out there but that's my my big deal with them is just keeping them somewhat clean right uh because i i'm a, a springer spaniel guy you know that was the beginning uh of of uh dogs for me was springer spaniels and uh they you know i've got one right now my wife's spaniels in the kennel in the garage because he 
he failed to go to the bathroom when I let him out for 30 minutes last night and he, he yeah. was too interested in playing. So he went in his crate and just covered himself in poop. And I'm like, this is oh. going to take four baths to like get this smell off of him. Whereas with Labradors, you just let them go swim in the lake for a second. And they're yep, clean. Exactly. You know, off it goes. So I yeah. know, I know. Yeah. I used some, I'll never forget uh, my first lab. Talk about first dogs at my first lab uh, sprayed by a skunk when she was pretty young. And I ended up using some like scent away soap that whitetail guys use in, in put her in the lake. <sighs> she came out, didn't even smell like a skunk anymore. I love it. It was crazy. It. it was crazy. I was like, yeah, that worked. That's that on worked. my list of stuff that I haven't experienced with dogs. I, I feel like at this point, you know, there are some guys out there that have trained thousands of dogs and I'm, I'm not one of those guys. You know, I've trained, you know, over a hundred dogs and I've owned dozens and dozens and, and been through, a, you know, I've hunted just about every type of hunting. The only thing I haven't done is that, uh, you know, sea duck on the Eastern shore, just right. sending them right. off a boat sort of thing. Like, you know, Matt Peel and those guys do. Right. I look forward to doing that soon, but I've never had a dog sprayed by a skunk uh, and I feel like I know a lot of people who have, and I have a lot of clients who have, and we have skunks around here, man. They get run over all the time. Um, and, uh, and in fact, I, it's funny. I live by, uh, it's probably not entirely appropriate, but I live by a kind of a car wash. There, there's a, there's a, a car wash on the corner of, of the, the property that I own. So it's like kind of cut into my 20 acres here. Sure. And, uh, it's, it's a big little party spot. You know, it's a Friday night hopping, you know, the car wash is going right. and you've got right. no one's washing cars, but everybody's over there chilling. And it's funny cause we can't ever really tell on the weekends, especially in the fall, if when we walk outside, what we are smelling is weed from the car wash, <laughs> or did someone run over a skunk? It's always that brief oh, moment awesome. where you're like, "Hold on, which one is that? Which one is it?" You know, you're trying to figure it out. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, the difference oh, is the skunk man. smell gets in your truck. You know, right. you get in the truck and you're like, "Oh, it infiltrated. It's definitely a skunk." Right. And, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, oh, uh, that's, but that's not on a dog yet, but I'm sure my day's coming. Yeah, you know, I've had them do some crazy stuff, you know, growing up in, in the North Woods up in northern Michigan, we had porcupines like crazy, and it seemed like every bird dog we owned, whether it was a bird dog or a retriever, ended up tangling with a porcupine, and the nice thing about it was, it seemed like the, the labs, the retrievers we had, were always smart enough to be like, one, they, they get, they just get barely poked, and they were like, I'm done, I don't want any more of that, and uh, the bird dogs would be a little more aggressive, but man, we had... We had some hounds um, love it. growing up, and you could, I mean, they'd eat that porcupine, you know, and it's just, you're putting, you're literally taking them to the vet, and they're putting them out and doing deep throat extraction of quills, you know, to make sure they get everything, and whereas my lab, he comes running over with four little quills in the end of his nose, and it's like, pop, 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 and <laughs> we're good to go, but yeah, it never that touched reminds me, never touched the, the movie, again. Homeward Bound? Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of that. Yep. That's when the 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 pit bull uh, got all up in the porcupine, had to go to that. Yep. Anyway, childhood memories there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I have a five year old and a three year old. We watch that movie about once a month. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We don't we don't have porcupines around here really. Uh, okay. We I mean we've got a ton of possums 
uh, a lot of raccoons. We call them trash pandas. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got a ton of skunks, and then we've got armadillos, so they're always really? going to run over. Yeah, yeah. They look like, it's pretty cool if you've ever seen an armadillo. It looks like a dinosaur, man. Well, and, and just, um, just so everybody else, everybody knows, you're down, you're in Mississippi. That's where you're I'm home. in northeast That's... Mississippi, born and raised. And, yep. uh and, you know, like I said, Southern Oak Kennels has campuses all over the place, so it's pretty right. fun to experience some of the different stuff that they have. But we're very much like deep south uh, as far as animals and uh, with the bottom of the Mississippi Flyway pretty much, you know, that sort of stuff. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. But, yeah, you never know. It's it, Different regions have different stuff that your dogs can get into. You know, I, I actually use Mackinac during elk season. Um, oh, cool. He's my grizzly. He's my grizzly bear early warning system. Oh yeah. And uh, it's nice to have that nose, man. Because we're. I remember one. We had a late season elk hunt last year in grizzly country, and we had got on some bulls in the morning. Couldn't get the deal sealed, so we sat on them all day and waited for them to come back out in the evening. And we'd been on a fresh grizzly track that morning, and the dog had kind of paid. He sniffed a little bit, but it was he didn't really pay any attention to it. And, Middle of the day, probably a couple hours before evening when those when it was going to get good, the wind kind of shifted on us a little bit, and all of a sudden my Mac stands up and he's hackles from hackles oh, up. Like, he's got the the sickle tail, you know that dominant sickle tail, and yep. he's growling, but it's a different kind of growl. It's a it's a really aggressive growl, and he's just staring downwind into this timber, and I look at the kid that was with me and he goes is that what i think it is and i said that's exactly what what you think it is so there's a there's a grizzly down there and uh you know he's not going anywhere we got him on a leash of course because um don't want him running off and he wouldn't run off anyway but not what you want your dog to bring back to your lap you know nope. it's a, it's a <laughs> angry grizzly but sure enough a couple hours later that bear circled down it had flanked us in the timber and come around and and Max spotted it again, you know, that nose, and all of a sudden he's sniffing and hackles up looking, and all of a sudden there's the bear standing there yeah. looking at us about 40, 50 yards away. Also something we do not deal with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> at all. But uh, it's I, it's interesting to have a dog, like, be able to pull double duty, you know, because yeah. he, he obviously retrieves upland birds and waterfowl all season for us, but then he goes on big game hunts once in a while too just for that reason man labradors it's pretty cool i mean the, the things they're they're capable of doing to, to, partly because of just their temperament in general you know we've got a handful who are full-on service dogs whether it's a ptsd slash anxiety relief dog or um allergy detection dogs cool search and rescue dogs and several of them are also you know very well versed waterfowl retrievers Sure. Um, so it's it's cool to see the the their ability to do more than just one thing for sure. Yeah, I you know I don't I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a dog guy no matter what. I like dogs in general. Yep. Um, like that this is the line from the movie Snatched. You like dogs? Yeah. <laughs> you know dogs? Okay, I get dogs. Yeah, I like dogs. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I love dogs in general, and I've. I've just started kind of branching out a little bit with my training. You know, I got into Springer Spaniels uh, as a kid by chance. My my parents' best friends had some field bred Springers, and I was like, these dogs are cool. And I, I didn't hunt. I, I didn't really do, you know, any sort of outdoor activities other than, like, BMX and, 
you know, motocross, but, sure. uh, I got into these springers and they were so trainable and, uh, ended up getting one in high school and trained her. And then when I did get into duck hunting, um, I, you know, I was, I went hunting with some guys and they had just kind of an okay dog. And I was like, my Springer, the one who fetched Frisbees, I was like, she could do this. So I right. was like, hey, can I, can I take a few of these ducks home? Took them home, threw them a few times. And next time I went, I took her and she killed it. Totally steady, delivered a hand, you know. Now, looking That's back, awesome. I've shared a few times, but looking back, like, you know, she was not fully prepared. I, I, I'm thankful she was a better dog than I was a trainer. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. You know, if somebody called me and walked me through everything that I did, I'd be like, don't do that. You know, you're not right, doing the right, right thing. But she was great. And that really is what got me hooked. And now I'm just uh, now I'm just kind of I'm exploring with some other uh, some other, you know, other types of dogs, other breeds. I've got a, a Belgian Malinois here that I'm working with to do some bite work just for fun. I just want to see what it's like. Right. Uh, not right. to be bitten for fun, but right. he's, he's super sweet. You know, he's lovable. And I've heard that breed. Fun. I know I don't have a ton of experience with that breed, but I've heard the guys, the buddies that have them been around them. They are super intelligent and seem like just really cool dogs. Yeah. They're very smart, very fun to, to train. Um, but man, they're not, they're not this like it's there's some significant differences between this dog and my labradors sure um you know the treat training that we do the clicker and treat stuff early on worked really well with him he's very driven with a ball he want you know he wants to mm. retrieve a ball and that's that's a huge motivator but like i've got you know right now i have a springer spaniel three labradors and a belgian malinois in my carport in my garage in gunner kennels <laughs> okay those are my those are my kind of, that's my crew right now. And that crew will kind of change. It'll rotate a couple, you know, every couple months, one will graduate down to the kennels or one will go home or the Springer will go back inside before he pees all over the place and Bethany kicks him out again. <laughs> um, so, but, but they're out, you know, my daughter lets him out at when she wakes up super early. So the rule is before you can wake anyone else out, you have to let all the puppies out. Nice. So she does, she lets him out at like five forty-five, six o'clock. I, let, I go back out, let them out at 7 to 8, and or we'll go out and do training earlier than that, whatever it is. But when I, a few times a day, I let them all out. And so you have three labs, a Springer, and a Malinois. And the labs and the Springer are playing and running, and all every 20 seconds, they come back to me, jump all over me. You know, hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? All right, we're good. Right. All right, we're going to run another lap. You know, and then right. the, the Malinois... He says hi, goes and finds whatever he wants, a stick, a ball, a toy, and goes 20 feet away from everyone else and lays down with it. And he just sits there like a a cat crouched down, like somebody, I dare you to come take it. (laughs) And as soon as they come to to take, because the labs are like, oh, I want to play. Right. He plays keep away. But like, you know, that kid that was in kindergarten or elementary school that would want to kind of play on the playground and wrestle, but then like he would get his feelings way too hurt. You know, he's that kid. Like as soon as they actually start trying to take it, hackles up growling. Sure. And if they do take it, he pitches a fit. He's running. He's, he finally grabs it. And, uh, um, you know, he's, uh, he's just, it's it's totally different. He's nothing like they are, you know, very obedient, very driven, very smart, but not socially the same at all. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's crazy to see those differences and to have them have the ability to to it, to see it 
up close and personal every single day. It would be crazy. But I think you ought to get a hold of Alex Templeton and get yourself a, you know, a little Jack Russell. See what you could do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hold on. You mean Alex Brittingham? Brittingham. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm well, sorry. I'm, fr- I'm friends with both. I thought you were about to talk about like a, a herding dog because Alex Templeton, you know, with all the that's cattle right. work and all that they do. You bet. Know, down in Missouri. That, yep. that would be super fun. Uh, I don't, don't think they use a lot of dogs. I know she probably, everyone that does what Alex Templeton does, they have like a farm dog, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But. I have seen some pretty cool shepherding stuff with dogs, the ones that like run over the tops of sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I watch videos on that, honestly, more than I should. I go down the YouTube <laughs> rabbit hole, you know, and I'm like, uh, two hours later, I'm like, this dog ran over 18 sheep, you know, yeah, check no, this I... out. But, you know, that would be fun. But I have, I've actually met Gator, uh, and man, I love Alex Brittingham. She's just one of the best in our industry at what she does. Yeah. And, uh, that little dog is cool, man. <laughs> he is cool. But again, she will tell you straight up, personality-wise, very, very different than a lab. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. So really fun. I almost feel like the, the guys like me or guys in our industry who just train labs, and, and I'm honestly, we, we pretty much only train Southern Oak Labs. You know, we don't even dip into training a lot of outside bred dogs unless they're imported by us. Sure. Uh, I feel like we're kind of cheating. You know, it's like the, these when I work with another breed, I'm like, boy, labs are easy. <laughs> they, <laughs> they wake up and they're like, how can I make you happy? You know, that's one. I've always said if the world, if everybody in the world acted like a Labrador retriever, there'd be a so much better place. You know what I mean? It's just like, you just see them, they come running down a trail and they're like, oh, hey, I don't know you, but I like you, you know? And it's, it's funny because out here we have the ranch dogs and yeah. they'll be, they'll be crouched on a flatbed truck. And you'll go to the grocery store and there's four ranch dogs and, and they live on that flatbed, you know, no oh, kennels, man. no restraints, 65 miles an hour down the highway. And they're just standing there. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, <laughs> it's bizarre. It, it is. Bizarre. It is. Yeah. But you walk by and they're like, they're main, they're mean mugging you from 70 yards away across the parking lot. Like man. this is my flatbed. Don't come anywhere near me. Man, and that's wild. Not all of them are like, not all of them are mean, obviously, but man alive, you spend as much, spend as much time in the mountains messing around and, you know, you're going to run across, you know, on trails and stuff, you're going to run across guys on horseback and they've always got dogs. And that's always like kind of a fear of mine with, with my lab. It's like, he's so friendly that he wants to go say hi. And it's like, mm, those dogs yep. have a different job, buddy. They're, yeah, you know, they may not be happy to see you, you know? Especially when you get around sheep, and they turn the these great great Pyrenees sheep dogs loose. Oh, yeah, those sheep, and you can't see them. They just look like sheep out there, and then all of a sudden, there's four hundred and thirty pound dogs, you know, staring through your windshield at you in your car. Oh, it's man. like don't get out. <laughs> That's a whole different ball game there. That's a whole Super other cool type that of they dog. Have purposes though, and, and oh yeah. You know, it's cool to me that there's so many uses for dogs and that that's how breeding has gone. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, to, to, we kind of frown on mixing breeds now. I definitely do. You know, I don't, I'm, but at the same time, you know, there's a reason that those dogs became what they became and that they're different from labs and that some sort of selective choices and breeding this and that, um, it's pretty, pretty wild when you get into some of that stuff. Uh, I talked to a guy in the UK a couple of years ago when I was there and 
he's a guy actually won the IGL championship recently. Um, so, um, I think, you know, he mentioned some crazy stuff. I was, I was a little taken aback, but it was stuff that's happened within the last, oh, what is it? 2020. So it'd be within the last 70, 75 years. And he was talking about his granddad and, uh, maybe it was his wife's granddad, someone that was breeding. And they were like, you know, we had some labs, but we wanted a little bit more speed. So we did a greyhound cross. No kidding. And then we kept a pup and we just kept breeding that line back to the labs until eventually it was kind of like lab again. But they had this whole different level of speed. And I was like, what? You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking like, if you got caught doing that right now, you'd be crucified. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, and I get that. But at the same time, I was like, these guys didn't care. They were like, I want my, I want my, my dog to be faster. Right. Well, greyhounds are fast. I was, I was like, man, this is a really, uh, this is a really wild thing. So I wonder, anyway, man, I wonder what I got a buddy out here that runs a little outfitter business and he's got a dog, uh, lab, black, black lab male. And I think he's part of that line that you're talking about. Cause he's like, yeah. he's Just like going. waist high, you know what I mean? And he's, and <laughs> yeah. he's all legs, he's yep. all legs and he is so fast. I mean, it's like if we're hunting dry land. And we got crippled Canada's. I'm like, yep, I'm going to leave Mac in the truck. You can use him. Because <laughs> it's like, he does. it's not even fair. You know, it's, he's there He's there and back. It's unreal yeah. fast. But, yeah, it's, man, I could sit here and talk dogs all day. That's really cool. But uh, you talk about getting your start, you know, with Springer Spaniels and and not not being, you know, not really hunting. Um, but now you're an avid waterfowler. How did that, I mean, how did that come about? Yeah, man, I, this is probably, I don't know, I don't know how long you want to go, but you know, man, it's actually, I think one of the most important parts of, of my story. Um, and people focus on, you know, the dogs and, and all this and that. And I, I, you know, I know what I do. I know what people are, are looking at and what Southern Oak is known for and all that. But man, I was just a, I was a student pastor. I was brought uh, brought up here in Mississippi, went to Dallas, Texas. Um, and I got, uh, the opportunity to come back home and work at a church here. And I kind of gotten into shooting clay pigeons with some friends. I gotten into just doing some, some kind of outdoorsy type stuff, but I was definitely not an outdoorsman. Right. I was not, I was definitely not, um, not a hunter by any, any stretch. And I didn't look like a hunter. Uh, that's a weird thing to say, but, I, uh, I was, you know, skinny jeans, probably still wear skinny jeans, uh, but I was (laughs) demon jeans. Yeah. Long, (laughs) long hair, you know, at one point had my lips pierced, my ears stretched out. I've got a lot of tattoos. I I was in a metal band for years, so I didn't look the part I'd, you know, and I had this guy from my church who was a super cool guy. His name's Kelly. He was like, Hey, you have any interest in going duck hunting? Uh, this weekend as the opener. And I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. That seems cool. Never done that before. Uh, and the guy took me, I, I had a, um, my hunter's education from high school. Uh, he took me to get a, a license and uh, some waiters, let me borrow a shotgun and shells and took me on my first duck hunt. And I shot my first duck. It was a ring neck, which I thought was cool. And uh, 
I, I had no idea about anything to do with duck hunting. You know, I even remember walking into the water and thinking, this feels really weird. You know, you know, neoprene waders going into the water the first time. They kind of stick to your legs. Right, and right. I was like, am I feet getting wet? No, they're not. I know I've never done I'd never done any of that. No and kidding. I was I was 20, 21 years old. And the reason that that story is important to me is because this guy took me to his best hunting spot what's crazy is he ended up getting kind of out of duck hunting uh at least for a little while and i hunted that spot spot. that's cool he knew it and what's what's wild is he he didn't really have any reason to invite me other than he wanted someone else to share the love of the sport right that was right like he liked me i was working at his church let's take this young guy out if he had not invited me I can say with a thousand percent certainty, Southern Oak Kennels doesn't exist. You know, yeah, if he yeah. didn't have me out duck hunting, there is no Southern Oak Kennels. Uh, that that is what started it. So it's to me, it's a challenge. Who who are you inviting? You know, who you don't you know, this guy shared his best spot. Let me use his his nice gun. Uh, took me with his son out duck hunting let me shoot first you know walked me through everything heck took me to buy my license and here i am today and uh not that i'm some special person but obviously southern oak kennels has a bit of an impact on the the waterfowl space you know sure Uh, and that can go back to the random guy from my church being like hey you want to duck hunt in the morning so when i look at all the stuff that you know you're doing a, a podcast to push you know uh, your hunting agenda, which is good. You know, it's a good, it's a good thing. You're, you're trying to promote the, the ways of the outdoorsman. And when I look at stuff on the internet, you see, you know, hunting licenses are in decline and, and look, man, I've been to the UK a lot of times. I had to do background checks to go to the international gundog league national championship two years ago because the anti hunters were threatening to shut it down. Wow. Uh, and that we're, we're always, you know, a little, little more to the right than them it's a little bit more open when it comes to guns obviously and hunting but like that that's where the world is on the way to you know is shutting it down and if we're going to get numbers back up it's not just about taking your your kids hunting okay i i love my kids love going out my daughter especially she's super into it Uh, i've taken my kids out field hunting uh, for speckle belly geese duck hunting all that You, you need to do that you know pass it along to the next generation but Studies have shown we will not reverse the decline in in hunting license purchases, federal water stamp, waterfowl stamp purchases, unless we're willing to go get new people into the sport. And uh, I know that Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl have both been working towards some agendas toward this sort of thing. And man, that that's the most important part of my story was that some random dude took me duck hunting to his best spot. He wasn't like, oh, I can't show him my good spot. He wasn't like, oh, I, I want to keep all this to myself. He just shared his love of the sport, and that's how I got into it, man. And I, uh, I think we definitely, uh, definitely need to be doing the same. Oh, I couldn't agree more. That's a cool story. That's, it's it's rare, you know what you said about. It's one thing to take somebody out hunting. It's another to take them to your best spot, you know, and be like, sure. here, here it is. This is what I love. This is why I love it. And yeah, I, mm, I couldn't agree more. It's not. It's it's more than just your kids, you know. It's taking yes. other people's kids. It's it's you know we have a 
in the office here, I mean, Wingman is a part of a much larger company with Eastman's Publishing. And obviously, we have the the big game stuff is the majority of what we do with, through Eastman's. And we have several uh, ladies in the office that were not hunters when they started here. Yep. And very, in very short order, it wasn't like, well, you have to hunt to, to work here. That Obviously, that's not it. But in very short order, they're around it. They're looking at it. And they're going... Huh, you know, I think I might want to get a doe tag or a cow elk tag and put yep. some meat eat meat in the freezer. And next thing you know, they're into just hooked. You know, they're into hooked and they're hooked line and sinker. And then I've got them out. The one gal's a, a one of our videographers and our in our video producer. And she went from, you know, I think I might like a doe antelope or something like that to when we go out in the field at the end of the day, she's like, We got time for me to try to shoot a limited geese because I'm I'm down. <laughs> you know, I love it. It's really cool. It's really cool. And that's, you're exactly right, Barton. That's exactly how this sport, how we will reverse these, these downward spiral trends that we're looking at is getting other people into the mix, not just our kids. Cause I'm with you, man. My kids are, I mean, they're hooked already. My five-year-old's like, daddy, when can we go duck hunting again? And it's like, well, whenever it's not season yet. Well, that's okay. We can know it's not season, you know? But yeah. I agree with you 100%, 100%. Same questions around here for sure. It's like, hey, could we, could we go on a goose hunting trip this weekend? I'm like, buddy, we, there's nowhere we can actually do that. So yep. different different hobbies at different times. And uh, I will say for me, a big part of it was being able to take my dog the next time. And, right. And dogs have been the dogs have been the biggest the biggest thing for me. It's been, you know, I love duck hunting. I love hunting. uh I love hunting in general. You know, I don't do a lot of big game stuff at all. I don't do, I don't have time, you know, I, I, I I stick with what I have time for. Um, but it's, uh, yeah. Watching the dogs work, man. Anything where dogs can be a part of it as a team player, you know, upland and waterfowl for me, especially it's, it's super fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I've gotten to the point where it's kind of like if, if I can't take my dog, and there's not, and there may not be a dog involved. I'm kind of like, because eh. I'm I'm at the point too where it's like I love working my dog. I love watching what he does, and it's amazing. But man, I like watching other guys work their dogs too. You know, yeah. it's, it's like you're rooting for them. You know, oh dude, I get to go on some some super fun hunts where I bet you know people are like, here's this dog, and I mentioned it in the uh, in the uh, the say when film that we did a while ago with yes. Uh, yeah but man like it's that part of it is um is so fun just i we i read you know i brought this dog into the world you know i mean now obviously i i believe god did that and i believe there's a lot of other factors involved but like it was our decision to pair these two dogs and create these these litters you know like hey this is a litter we are choosing to have and then we removed the birthing sack because mama was tired you know all that kind of stuff man and then fast forward two years later and i'm in the field watching this dog crush geese that is a cool feeling it's like man this this is what i had in mind you know yeah when, when i thought let's do this and uh yeah man that's that's really fun but i am the same way i'm like i'm not so sure i really want to go hunt if i can't bring my dog uh, and yeah. it's, I guess that's kind of become understood because <laughs> now it's like, right. oh, what dogs are we bringing other than Barton's dog? Yeah. You're kind of the dog guy. 
you know. (laughs) If if dogs aren't a thing, it's probably best to just kind of not invite me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I hear you. It's, uh, ah, there's just something about them, you know, and they just become a a part of the family and, and it just, it's pretty hard to separate your life from the dog and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. eh. You know, and I'm staring at, looking at, Mackinac's eight. This would be his eighth hunting season. And it was, I was talking to you a while back and saying, you know, I think I can get another year or two out of him where he's, he can work hard, but I want to, I want to get another young one. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That whole process is going to be, you know, take a step back because it's going from having a veteran dog that knows everything or knows what to do to, I got to go back to, a, I'm going to go back, be going back to a puppy and, you know, yep. Okay expectations are different timetables different you know it's like we don't just go out in the field and go hunt you know, I don't have to worry yeah. about my dog because he's got it you know what yeah. I mean it's like yeah it's going to be definitely an adjustment when you go back to a, to a pup there's oh, yeah. good and bad there's like hey there's a lot of things I did with the, my older dog that I would change you know right that I would, right. I would do a little bit differently uh, but then there's also like you know it's very hard for the second dog I always tell people like, Hey, I, I can get you a dog. I can hopefully produce a dog that, that you're going to love and you're going to be super proud of. I can't clone your current dog, you know? Right. And, right. and right. so I tell people from the beginning, I'm like, if you're looking, cause they start the conversation with, I'm looking for one just like, you know, fluffy. And I'm like, Hey, look, fluffy. When, when he's gone, he's gone. We can't reproduce fluffy. <laughs> you know, like we're going to have to, yeah, whatever the name is. But, and it's true, man. I, my, my first, uh, like, labrador that was mine she's down at the kennel her name's maggie uh last year she was uh with the guys at salt plains outfitters and crushed uh-huh. it the years years before that she's been at um uh, five oaks picking up in the timber and you know she's picks up picks up six to eight hundred birds a season and she's 10 and uh man i, I she's going deaf uh yeah. i trained i trained her three days ago she couldn't hardly hear anything and i I'm I'm like working the dog, trying not to cry. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm the first time I really realized, like, no. you, you can't hear me, you can't hear my whistle. You know what I mean? Like, this is oh. it's not your fault. But man, if if every female Labrador that I could have owned after her could have been her, I would have chosen that. If, right. I, if every one of them could have been exactly what she is, and I realized there is never going to be another her, right? But I've had some stellar dogs, you know, and some that I really love other things about. Uh, but it's very hard to replace that first one, man. Very hard. Yeah. Well, I know when you and I were talking about puppy selection and, and this and that, I kind of had, I kind of had a little bit of a leg up because I realized what you were saying and I knew that going in. I'm like, I'm never going to duplicate this dog or that dog. You know, my first lab, same thing. I had a female. It was, I got lucky, dude. It was like backyard breeding. The dude stapled a stapled a paper plate to the place to the board on the sporting goods store I was working at and I went and looked yeah. at pups and went yeah okay I'll take one like 200 bucks you know and walked out and it was a combination of the dogs were she she was she came out of hunting stock she was a hunter but I was single and I was working third or afternoon second shift I had nothing but time with that dog I love it and you know she was she was awesome same type deal but it was just a perfect combination, but yeah, no, I got this, this Mackinac dog and you know, he came from a different, different breeder, but you knew his dad and you had had experience with his, with his dad. And so you kind of knew 
what personality traits I was used to because I'll be real honest. I didn't, I don't know his, didn't know his dad very well. I got to spend a couple hours at that kennel checking him out and stuff. But I'm like, just from what I saw there and the dog I have now, they're like very similar, very similar personalities. And so when I was, when I was able to tell you that you were like, yeah, I think I got the dog you want. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's, there's some traits, man. There's some traits that it's like, Hey, like you, you're on a, um, you're on a, a cedar litter and uh right yep we kind of know you know what what comes through that line we have a general idea of what what comes through that line um so yeah it's uh it's it's good to know that and look even i think you're on the what cedar fia yeah. um yep. so we have super good idea what those pups be like but every once in a while you get like we bred a litter one time that we thought was going to be a super like tame docile good drive but very easy to deal with litter sure sure and man those little suckers were some dragons dude it was like man where did this come from something in the combo almost the whole litter i was like people were like the dog just has to be she was like literally this one guy was like i have to throw 50 or 60 tennis balls with a chuck it in the morning just to have the dog to be able to come inside yeah and i was like dang sorry didn't uh, see that for coming the, for the most part you know it's uh it's 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 yeah we can we can predict pretty well what once you get used to a line you know so right. like cedar right. for instance he's a half brother to arden we uh-huh. we owned the littermate to their mother he was a field trial champion uh the guy i mentioned telling the story about his granddad yeah uh, he owns uh that dog's son and won the igl with him uh, we have three daughters of that dog in our breeding program. And then when you go to the top of the pedigree, we have four or five females that are, I mean, if you look at our stuff, we have to be very careful because we have, you know, like Bruno cannot right. be bred to about nine of our, you know, 10 of our females at Southern sure. Kennels because sure. they're too close. They're too close. And yep. the reason we have them though is because we know that line. You know, we, we, we want to keep our coefficiency of inbreeding down uh, right. as low as possible. You know, unlike a lot of other breeds, you know, some of those guys doing like squirrel dogs, they're like, yeah, <laughs> I bred two litter mates together to get Ooh. this line. You know, that kind of, yeah, wow. that, well, they you know, breed father to grandfather to daughter and that kind of stuff. And with Labradors, you're trying to keep it down below 10% if sure. you can. And, sure. uh, but we, we're familiar with the lines and what they produce for the most part, but at the same time, you know, nature will always throw you a curveball. Just when yeah. you think you can predict it, it's going to, you know, remind you that you can't. They were dragons. Oh, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I've seen, yeah, we all know labs like that. It's like, woof, wow. Yeah, and our dragons, I would say, are probably more docile than the fire-breathing dragons you get from some of the FCAFC lines. Right, and, right. And uh, our dragons are still probably a little easier to deal with, but at the same time, not not necessarily what people, you know, the British lab thing has been, I think, oversold. You know, people, people, you know, it's gotten a bad rap from a lot of people marketing it as this perfect angel of a dog that's right. never going to, you know, right. I'm like, it's a Labrador, son. If you leave them, these dogs alone <laughs> in your house before they're a year old, they will burn it down. Like, you, you will not have any bottoms of any furniture left it will be too turn hard, you know. loose in your uh, mouth <laughs> yeah 100 percent. there's still a dog so yeah exactly no exactly it's and uh, yeah i i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more it's people people see my dog and honestly out here in wyoming they're not used to seeing 
you know, a, a, a true British lab that's, he's fully grown and he weighs 64 pounds. You know what sure. I mean? And he's, sure. he's muscular and he's perfectly put together, but he's just not very big. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, he's such a cute puppy. And I'm like, no, he's eight years old. You know, we get that all the time. We we let all the females out at once, and everybody's like, "How old are they?" They're like, you know, 10, 11 months. I'm like, "No, she's six. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah, exactly. She's four. Exactly. Uh, he's as big as they're gonna get. So, yep. yeah. But I also hear a lot too. You know, I'll be in the. I hear it a lot this time of year when I've got him in the drift boat. You know, and we're and we're trout yep. fishing, and people will be like, "Oh, look at that dog, man! He's gorgeous." You know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, absolutely, and I'm not. I'm not holding up like you said i'm not holding up the that the british lab or my dog is like the perfect the best whatever it's just that's he's got a look that i like he's got a temperament yep. that i like and it works for me my other couple couple guys i hunt with are running you know i guess for lack of a better term american style dogs and they get it done too you know yep. i mean they're they're faster than he is they're bigger than he is there's situations where they're better suited to what we're trying to do than he is you know, there's, there's like, there's one spot. I don't, I can't hunt one by one guy's got a American lab and he's, he's like 110 pounds and he's almost twice the size of, of, sure. of my dog. Sure. And if we hunt them together in on this river stretch and I've got them, you know, obviously taking turns, getting birds or, or if you shoot three or four, it's like, it's current, man. The birds are going to be gone. If you wait too long, it's like that, dog, that dog's got to go. You yeah. got to be able to send them now. And, uh, yeah, literally I've had them send them and the birds are close together and whatever. We're just getting them mopped up and his dog will literally be running through the water that my dog's swimming through, (laughs) you know? And so speed wise, I let that other dog go first and then I'll go downstream, take Mac and go, okay, buddy, there you go. There's yours. Cause if I, if you send them to get birds that are close together, no, it's, there's no competition. But yeah, it's crazy. Different, different dogs, different setups, but, um, well, cool. Um, I appreciate you taking some time and spending some time with us, Barton. And I, yeah. we could keep talking. We're 53 minutes into this thing and I feel like we're just not even scratching the surface, but, uh, I'd like to have you back on sometime. We could talk more about just hunting, but that said, what's your, what's your fall looking like for you? Man, I'm uh, kicking it off with uh, dove season here, September 4th fifth i believe and then uh taking off for uh teal season in texas the the following weekend and after that honestly we'll probably chill out and not do much of anything looks like canada's probably out um i don't know if i'll make north dakota or not uh, but we'll probably just hang out here we've got a busy october with family we do our family vacation in october and that kind of stuff and kids in school but uh and then hopefully doing a lot of stuff november to january just we hunt a lot of timber in arkansas and we hunt a lot of uh a lot of midwest type stuff you know oklahoma and kansas a lot of time up there so i'm hoping to do you know as many trips as normal but i guess we'll see how traveling is and what's open and what's not open and and all that you know just depends you know if if, if yeah, i guess the the only thing that might would would shut down for me is if i've got a trip planned and something happens in my kids school and they have to do the two two week quarantine um yeah. and then yeah. they're at home i'm probably not going to leave mama at home with three kids while i'm out you know away be, at ducks that might so. be a wise decision <laughs> yeah sometimes it's uh sometimes it's for uh 
it's it, it's for work and other times it's like all right look this you're just going to kill ducks you know <laughs> exactly so, yeah. exactly my wife's got that figured out too <laughs> yep yep yeah yep. or are you taking a camera on this one or uh-huh. oh okay okay well it could be nice if you came home a little earlier so you could watch the kids and you know i could maybe have some alone time or something yeah i get i get yeah. it i get it yeah for sure for sure yeah, COVID yeah, throwing a wrench into everything, though. It's it definitely has. It's been yeah. interesting, you know. Some people are thriving, other people are struggling to get by. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, I've really enjoyed chatting, and uh, I've uh, happy to come on anytime and and chat dogs, chat hunting, and whatever else comes up. Man, it's always fun having uh, having these conversations for sure. Well, I appreciate your time. Like I said, um, and we'll get you back on. We get some, maybe get together after hunting season's over this in February or January or somewhere along that line when things slow down and, and, uh, talk hunting a little bit more, but, um, you've written a couple articles for the wing beats blog, which I really appreciate. And, um, I'll put the links for those. So guys can find them real easy down here. Yeah, I always end up picking your brain about, you know, can you tell guys about, uh hunting season's right around the corner and man i maybe not have done as much as i should have done this summer with my pup and or with you know whatever you got and you've done you've done a couple articles like that some preseason stuff for us and without stealing the thunder from your from your cornerstone gundog academy what you got going there which is a really cool program i appreciate you throwing some stuff at us like that and heck yeah I'll, i'll put those links down below in the description and I only got one more question for you, and it's one that I'm I'm asking every single person that's been on so far. If you could only hunt one bird one way for the rest of your life, what's it going to be? Man, it's such a tough question for me. I know, such right? It's a tough question. Um, it's it, it really changed last year, spending some time uh, with uh, a buddy of mine in Arkansas. But I I honestly think I would hunt mallards in the timber. Um. I love field ducks, love big wads of lessers, really enjoy Arkansas stuck about the goose hunting in dry fields. But man, when you take a boat ride into some shin high water, that's walking around in the middle of a bunch of Oak trees and you watch mallards just absolutely slam into it. It is a blast. It's uh, it is a feeling that is hard to top. So I think I'd choose that. If I had to do one, uh, I would probably do mallards in the timber. Well, that's two in a row because I had Wade Shoemaker on the last podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. And, Wade's going to choose that. He's yeah, like exactly. Louisiana boy. Th- exactly. Yeah. 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 And he, sure. I mean, he even went so far as to, you know, qualify different types of timber as those that's not timber. That's hunting bushes. You know, I mean, you, you can hear him saying that, but uh, it is. I, that's cool. I, you know, I'm, and I've told him the same thing I'll tell you. I've never gotten to truly experience what you're talking about. You know, yeah, we hunted flooded beaver ponds and stuff like that growing up and but not like not like that. And yep. someday, someday that's on the bucket list for sure. Yeah, it's uh man, we'll have to have you down. And that's not even my spot. I'm thankful to have some good spots that I get to go to. Um, but yeah, it's, when it's true flooded hardwood timber, you know, you're not talking about a a, a willow break or a slough or a you know, oxbow or any of that. I'm talking about actual, like, like, Hey, when it's not duck duck season, these are just woods, (laughs) you know, like that's it. 
uh, man, it's, it's something else. Super fun. So oh, that's cool. That's cool. But same thing. We'll have to get you out here sometime and get you on the river. That's I love a, it. That's a different experience too. I've had guys be like, so can't believe you put a dog in that. It's like, yeah, they, no, they no. handle it just fine. But, uh, yeah, cool. Well, Spartan, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, stay cool down there. Well, we'll do. Thanks, Todd. Talk to you soon. Yep.